Thank you for joining me for worship today. Today is the second Sunday after the Epiphany, thinking of the wise men coming to worship the infant Jesus. We're in the Epiphany season of the church year, a season in which we, well, Epiphany means manifestation or showing. We think of the manifestation, the showing of Jesus as the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Our order of service today begins in the bulletin. We're going to open right now with hymn number 346, Angels We Have Heard on High. Jesus Christ, I pray, Lord, have mercy on me, 
a sinner. Lord, have mercy on us. Christ, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. I now ask you before God who searches the heart, do you confess your sins of thought, word, and deed? Are you sorry for your sins? Do you look to our Savior, Jesus Christ, for forgiveness? And with the Holy Spirit's help, do you want to correct your sinful life? Then declare so by saying, yes. Yes. Upon this confession, I, as a called servant of the word, announce to you God's grace and the forgiveness of sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. for this second Sunday after the Epiphany is from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. In this reading, we see the Lord calling Samuel to be his prophet. The, Lord, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. That's not saying that he was an wasn't a believer, he was a believer. He just hadn't had this personal contact with God like he ended up having now. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Alleluia. The Lord says to his people, You are my servant in whom I will display my splendor. Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Our epistle reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 to 20. A reading in which the Apostle Paul, well, he does talk about our Christian liberty, our freedom, but he says, don't use that Christian liberty as an excuse to justify sin. Paul said, 
Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And we'll continue with our next hymn, hymn number 631, 283 in the Red Book. 631, speak, O Savior, I am listening. Think of that with in connection to our Old Testament reading in Samuel. Thirsty needs, Lord, your words are. 
God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Amen. The word of God we want to consider today is our gospel reading from John chapter 1, verses 43 to 51. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me, Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Let's bow our heads for prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Lord, our strength and our salvation. Amen. My dear fellow disciples of our Lord and Savior, many years ago there were some men who were panning for gold in Montana. And one of the men happened to find this unusual stone and when he broke, and broke it open, he found gold there. And then his companions, they all started looking in that area and they ended up finding a good amount of gold there. So they were working feverishly to find the gold, but then they realized that, they realized that they needed to go into town and get some supplies so that they could continue to do their work. But before they left to go and get those supplies, they agreed amongst themselves that no one would say a word about the gold. So they went into town, they bought the supplies that they needed, and after they were done, as they were ready to go back to their camp, they were a little bit surprised when 100 men, 100 men ended up gathering together. Hundreds of men were prepared to follow them back out to their camp. And when they looked amongst themselves and wondered which one of them squealed, which one of them let it out, leaked the news that they had found gold, the reply came from the hundreds of men. No one had to. Your faces showed it. We're in the Epiphany season of the church year. And as I mentioned, the Epiphany season of the church year is, is thinking about the manifestation, the showing of Jesus as the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And that Epiphany message 
it, it's that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus of Nazareth, by his words and deeds, he showed himself to be the Christ, the true Son of God, and the Savior of the world. Today, what God's word is doing is it's reminding us that we as believers, like Philip in our reading for today, are on an epiphany mission to make known to the world that most wonderful news that Jesus of Nazareth, by his words and deeds, he showed himself to be the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And like those prospectors that I mentioned, we'll want our faces and our lives to be saying to the world around us, come and see the Son of God, our Savior. Come and see the Son of God, our Savior. In our reading, then, the one whom Philip invited Nathaniel to come and see, that one, Jesus Christ, is described as the one who fulfills the scriptures, who reads our hearts, and who brings us heaven. At the time of our reading, Jesus had just begun his public ministry. The day before this, Jesus had called Andrew and his brother Peter to be his first disciples. And now Jesus, it says, he was ready to go north to Galilee, where he'd end up performing his first miracle. And remember, that was at the wedding of Cana, where he turned water into wine. He was ready to go there, but before he would leave to go there, he called Philip to be one of his disciples. He called Philip and he said to him just simply, follow me. He was calling him to be one of his disciples. One who would learn from Jesus about the promises of God and then be able to share those promises of God with the people to whom he witnessed, with people hopefully all over the place. And later on in his ministry, Jesus revealed what that call to discipleship really entails. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The call to be a disciple of our Lord, it's not something to be taken lightly, as if it's no real big deal. A disciple needs to deny himself, and to deny ourselves, that means that what we do is we acknowledge the fact that we are sinners and that we can't save ourselves and that our works would only separate us further and further from God. So we deny ourselves. But then we take up our cross, and to take up our cross, well, the first thing that you think about there is how we accept the fact that as people living as believing children of God in this sinful world, there are hardships and troubles that we have to face. But I always like to say that taking up that cross of Christ we also do that boldly and proudly as we think about the Savior that we have and what he's done for us and how he's, how he's won eternal salvation for us. And then also we follow him 
We look to him as the guideline for us in our lives. The guiding light in all he says and does in our lives. We want to follow him. Now, being a disciple of Jesus, a serious matter, as I said. And Well, when the Holy Spirit calls us to faith, what he did is he called us, like the twelve, to be his disciples. The fact of the matter is there aren't just twelve disciples. Everyone who's a believing child of God is a, a disciple of our Lord, and that means we're called to learn about the promises of God, learn law and gospel, and then also trained and equipped to share that gospel message, to witness to others. Shortly after the Lord called Philip to be one of his disciples, Philip went and found his friend Nathanael and said to him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. It's interesting here when you think about Philip, he's a novice disciple, but he didn't hesitate to talk about the Savior. He, he could have made the excuse that, that Jesus had just hardly begun to teach him and that he didn't know much and so he better keep his mouth shut instead of witnessing about the Savior, but he didn't do that. He, he knew that Jesus was the Messiah, and so he shared what he knew with someone that he knew, with a person he knew. And Jesus wants us to imitate Philip by sharing what we know about Christ especially with those people that we may know who don't yet know about Christ. Let's remember that what God has given all of us Christians is the ability to witness for him in some way. So let's talk about our Savior. Philip, he said of Jesus that Jesus was the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. As I said, Philip's knowledge about Christ was limited at this point in time. It wasn't as complete as it would definitely become, but it was sufficient for him to know that in Christ, God's promises were all fulfilled. They were all coming true. Christ does fulfill those prophecies prophecies that are written about him in the scripture. And as I said, Philip's understanding at this point in time of Jesus, of how he would fulfill the scriptures, that was incomplete at this time, but he'd grow in his understanding. As all of us who are disciples will also want to grow in our understanding. And as we grow in our understanding. We're going to delight in the fact that the Holy Spirit is revealing to us the one from whom all the scriptures get their meaning and their significance. And as 
we grow in our faith. We can experience happiness in this life that only lasts forever on into heaven. Well, when Philip first spoke to his friend Nathaniel, Nathaniel wouldn't believe. He said, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And now, with those words, he wasn't cutting down the city of Nazareth. He wasn't thinking of that as a, a terrible city, really. Rather, Nathaniel was someone who knew the prophecies that were in the Old Testament. He knew the messianic prophecies in Scripture. He knew of no prophecy that talked about the Savior coming from the city of Nazareth. And, well, at his objection, Philip didn't begin to argue about it. He just simply said to Nathaniel, come and see. And we can learn another lesson from Philip. Not only do we learn from him to just do what we can with what we know sharing the Savior, but it also doesn't pay for us. Well, there are those times when we would talk about our faith when someone we're talking to maybe would like to get into an argument with us. And we might even be tempted to think that maybe what we could do is we could argue with them and convince them with our persuasive words. But the fact of the matter is, is that clever arguments are never going to convert anyone. God's power working through the word, that's what converts people. That's what makes people into believing children of God. The Apostle Paul, he said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So instead of arguing, let's just simply share God's word with people as Philip did. And let's invite people to come and see and let God do his work with the word on people's hearts. Well, Nathaniel did end up accepting that invitation to come and see. And when Jesus saw Nathaniel, Jesus said, here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. Because Jesus is God, well, Jesus is the God-man. Because he is God, Jesus could look into Nathaniel's heart and see that he was a true Israelite. And that means that he was a believer in the promises of God, believers in the messianic promise that, that there would be the Savior who would come into this world. He was looking for God's spiritual kingdom and he wasn't a false Israelite. A false Israelite would be someone who didn't believe in the messianic promise or someone who was a Jew by physical descent only and not spiritually a believer. Nathaniel asked Jesus, 
How do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And those words, some simple words of Jesus, they proved to Nathaniel that Jesus knew all things, that he was omniscient and that he could read his heart. And that just told Nathaniel, this Jesus, this Jesus of Nazareth, he is the Messiah. He's the one that he was waiting for. Nathaniel said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And those, those last words there, the Greek there could be translated, you are the king of the Israel. That is the true spiritual Israel. Our Savior, what he had done is he had looked into Nathaniel's heart. And, well, he looks into our hearts as well. And, and as I've often said, that's something that at first thought may be kind of frightening because that means he can look into our hearts and see our, our thin, sinful thoughts. But, but it's also a comforting thing because he can look into our hearts and see our God-given God-word faith. He knows we're believing children of God. And he also knows by looking at us what he can best do for, for us to help us to keep on fighting the good fight of faith to fight against temptation so we grow in our faith. So let's remember that we have, we have that all-knowing Savior in our corner who's always ready and always able to give us the help that we need. Jesus said to Nathaniel, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. Nathaniel was impressed when Jesus showed him this glimpse of his omniscience that he knows all things. But Nathaniel, he says, would see greater things than these during Jesus' ministry. Jesus was with these words encouraging Nathaniel and while working on him so that he would grow in his faith and through the greater things that he'd end up seeing about Jesus. And when you think about it, true faith is something that's never satisfied to rest on what it's already discovered, but always wants to continue to grow through what God's word reveals to us about Jesus the Savior and about true living for Christ. In speaking not only to those disciples, but to all believers, then Jesus said, I tell you the truth, or verily, verily, I say unto you, as our old King James Version of the Bible translated for us, and I verily, verily, I say to you, our Savior's complete guarantee. Well, he says, verily, verily, I say to you, you shall see heaven open. And because Jesus lived and died for us to pay for our sins, and because he rose from the dead, well, the gates of heaven are open for us and for all believers. When Jesus referred to 
the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That reminds us of Jacob's dream in which he saw angels going up and down on this stairway to heaven that uh, uh, assured Jacob of the truthfulness of God's promise to be with him and the sureness of his communion, of his connection with God. And now in Jesus, that connection with God, that gap between heaven and earth has been bridged and through his intimate communion with the Father, through Jesus' intimate communion with the Father, which Nathaniel and the other disciples would end up witnessing, our Savior's work would be accomplished and completed in Jesus. We sinners are assured that we'll be taken to eternal glory where we'll enjoy this perfect, endless communion connection with our God, God forever. A man was seated once on a park bench when a little five-year-old boy sat down next to him and he started winding what appeared to be his most prized possession. Don't do it anymore, but here he had a watch that needed winding. And this must have been years ago. But the man remarked when he saw this, the boy doing that, my, what a pretty watch. Does it tell you the time? And the boy replied, no, sir, you got to look at it. Sounds a little bit like a smart aleck remark, but does teach us a little bit of a good lesson. What that boy said about his watch applies also to, to God's word, doesn't it? You got to look at it. And when we do look at God's word, when we study it, when we regularly, faithfully read and study it, then we will see, like Nathaniel, the other disciples, we'll see heaven open. The Holy Spirit will bless us with God's grace and mercy and with strengthening of our faith and, well, strengthening us in general so that we can keep on living in this sinful world, fighting the good fight of faith. We'll be like those prospectors that I talked about. Well, we'll be like Philip. You know, he, he learned about the Savior and he shared it. We'll be like those prospectors that I talked about. And, you know, what they did is they found gold and they enjoyed the fact that they found the gold and it showed. And as we keep on panning through the word of God, sifting through the word of God, well, we're going to be blessed with that wonderful message of God's grace and mercy and love. And we'll not only be blessed with that wonderful message, but it's also going to show in our lives, in our words, and in our actions. And surely, we'll want our words, our actions, our faces, 
we'll want them to always be saying to the people around us, come and see the Son of God, our Savior, and yours. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's confess our faith with the Christmas Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty who sent his Son to be my Savior. And I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, my Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, announced by the angels, worshipped by the shepherds, adored by the wise men, who lived to suffer, die, and rise again, to free me from all sin, from death, and from the power of the devil. I believe in the Holy Spirit, who brought me to faith in my Savior, and by whose continuous work in my heart, I rejoice in my salvation, show forth his praises, and will one day live and reign with him in all eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, you gave your one and only Son to be the light of the world. Grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory, that he may be known, worshipped, and believed to the ends of the earth. We pray through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Lord God, as we this weekend have been kind of faced with our first dealings with winter weather and the problems associated with that, we ask you please to keep on watching over us, keep us safe in your loving care. When, when we need to travel, watch over us, send your guardian angels to be with us. But during these tough winter months, keep us safe and warm and always in your loving care. And as we think about those in our church dealing with different aches and pains and trials and troubles, we keep saying, Lord, if it's your will, grant healing, grant resolve to the problems and troubles. But especially, keep on always giving to all of us, your grace and your mercy and your love. Fill our hearts with your love so that our faces and our lives show your love to the world. And we gather up all of the prayers we have today as we join in praying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Let's join in singing our prayer for our country. God bless America, 
land that I love. Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Again, I'd say thank you for joining me for worship today. No special announcements right at the moment. No birthdays or anniversaries that I know of this week in the congregation. People in the congregation still dealing with their aches and pains. Nothing that I know of new to report as I'm recording this tonight. But please do keep all of our members in your prayers, our church family in your prayers. And again, keep praying for God's guidance and protection during these, these winter, winter months. Again, thank you for joining me, and the Lord bless and keep you always. Amen.